You're listening to the following program on TFN Audio from the Fantasy Network, where independent creators and fans of fantasy, sci-fi, horror, and gaming meet to create, stream, and support the shows that they love. Creator-distributed, fan-supported, that's TFN. Find this and many more great programs at watch.thefantasy.network slash audio. You're listening to the following program on TFN Audio from the Fantasy Network, where independent creators and fans of fantasy, sci-fi, horror, and gaming meet to create, stream, and support the shows that they love. Creator-distributed, fan-supported, that's TFN. Find this and many more great programs at watch.thefantasy.network slash audio. Six. Jim raised the bowl to his lips, tasting the herbal drink inside it. It was fairly bitter, but surprisingly good. The men and women gathered around him all looked at him with curious eyes, some of them smiling, but most of them looking marginally worried. He took a bigger sip and put the bowl down again. He smiled. Good, he said, rubbing his stomach with a gesture he hoped signified pleasure and not a stomachache. The onlookers relaxed visibly. On the ground, spread out in front of him, were various offerings they had brought out to him. Weapons, berries, mussels, acorn bread, and skins. This had been produced shortly after he had been brought back to the village, while one of the warriors guarded the dead bear. It was too big for them to carry home by themselves. The village itself was different than he had imagined. There were no tents but huts made from grass. The little girl had been handed off to some of the women who seemed relieved to have her back safe and sound. She had been washed a little before she again appeared before him. She was put forth almost as a thing to be admired, and Jim hoped to a god he did not believe in that she wasn't being offered to him as a sacrifice as well. He tried to appear benevolent and patted her on the head before sending her away again. It had seemed to do the trick. It was clear that these people had never in their life seen a white man. Jim didn't know in what year he had arrived, but since there was absolutely no sign of Western civilization, he assumed it was some time before California was colonized. Guns, firewater, and the European languages had not yet made it to this village, which made him the first white man they had ever seen. As he picked up a flat piece of acorn bread and began eating it, he thought of the stories he had read about time travel, the time machine, a sound of thunder. He hoped he wasn't changing history by stepping on a blade of grass in this age, creating butterfly effects that tore his own time apart. Surely not. Surely that sort of thing only happened over millions of years, he hoped. An older man separated from the group and sat down in front of him, cross-legged. He still kept a respectful distance, but it was clear that he was someone of importance. He had a necklace of bones and rocks around his neck, and his hair was braided around several feathers. The old man began to speak in a deep, pleasant voice. The language sounded like nothing Jim had ever heard before, and he tried not to look confused. How could he communicate with these people if they did not understand each other? 
Somehow, he had to get back to the time hole. He had no idea how long that thing would remain open, or if it remained open, how long the other end would stay attached to his own time. Of course, if I can't get back, being thought of as a god wouldn't be half bad, he thought. But I have to try. Jim held his hand up in a motion that he hoped signified both respect and a wish for quiet. The old man, he assumed it was either the chief or the medicine man, stopped talking and looked at him. Jim pointed back towards the forest. He made a snarling face and held up his hands like paws, trying to pretend he was a bear. He pointed to the girl, then himself, then back to the forest. The old man looked at him as if trying to understand. Jim pointed at one of the warriors who had brought him back to the village. With a gesture that he tried to be me and him, he pointed to the forest, and then used his fingers to make a little walking gesture, which he hoped made sense to these people. The warrior looked startled, but seemed to grasp the idea. He stood up straighter, as if proud to be chosen for something. The old man gestured towards the village around them and said something that sounded disappointed. Sorry, buddy, Jim said, but I've got to go back. I wish I could make it clear to you. The old man reached forward, slowly, as if asking for Jim's permission. Jim nodded his head slowly. The old man let his hand slide over Jim's chest, touching the cuts in the shirt and the now unscarred skin beneath. The bones had healed within an hour of the attack before they had reached the village. He said something that sounded like a prayer to Jim's ears. His voice rose and fell, and the crowd picked up the chant. Feeling as if he should participate, Jim tried joining in as well. The old man touched his naked skin under the shirt with his fingertips, before pulling his hand back and falling silent. Jim got to his feet and reached forward, taking the old man's hands in his. He squeezed them briefly, trying to convey strength. Then, as an afterthought, he put his own hand on the old man's chest in the same spot where he himself had been touched. There was a gasp from the crowd, and the old man's eyes widened. He looked shocked, but quickly regained his composure. Jim wondered what he had done to provoke a reaction like that. The warrior stepped forward, and Jim gestured again to the forest, indicating for him to go first. The crowd around them parted, allowing them to go through. Jim spotted the little girl, smiled at her, and waved his hand in greeting. She smiled back, but hid behind the comforting legs of, he assumed, her mother. As Jim and the warrior went back towards the forest, he could hear the old man shouting commands. Several of the other warriors and women scattered, but he could see them begin to build a fire. Jim had never been keen on Native American traditions and customs. He had watched his share of westerns, but never given it much thought. In fact, he hadn't even known the Bay Area had a Native population. The dark was beginning to fall when they walked through the forest, and Jim was beginning to feel a little lost. His guide, however, never faltered and kept going straight. He had come armed with a bow and arrows and a large stone knife in his belt. He was a silent type, which Jim appreciated. He felt utterly lost in their language, and the only thing he'd been able to understand was that his guide was named Kokno. 
We made good progress up the hills. Behind them in the village, he could hear a drumbeat beginning. It sounded deep and rhythmic, pounding into the dark. He wondered if they were celebrating. After night had fallen, Cockney moved with more stealth through the bushes. Jim considered pulling out his flashlight, but was afraid the thing would do more harm than good, both in terms of his own loss of night vision and of terrifying Cockney. He followed closely, making sure his steps were careful and that nothing snapped under his weight. Finally, they reached the clearing. Here a small fire burned, next to what looked like a mountain of fur and bear meat. Of the man left here, however, there was no trace. Jim approached the object in the middle of the clearing. It was still there, but he didn't feel the pull he had felt from the other side. When he looked back at Cockney, however, it was clear that he did. His eyes large and scared. He seemed to be slowly drawn in towards the object. Jim went back to him and pulled him away several yards to the edge of the clearing. He pushed Cockney's back and pointed away towards the village. Go, go back, go home. Cockney said something back and gestured, looking around. I don't know where your friend is, but I'm willing to bet he's been pulled through to my side. And if that's so, we're going to have to get him back, but I don't need two of you trampling around over there. Go back, shoo. Jim pointed toward the village, to Cockney, and toward the village again. Cockney finally seemed to understand. He turned and walked the other way, but stopped after a few steps. He looked at Jim, as if expecting something. Oh, right, um, bless you, or something. Jim raised his hand again in the same gesture he had made in the village. It seemed to work as a blessing or greeting, and it satisfied Cockney. Jim turned his back and walked quickly to the object in the clearing. He didn't know how it would work. If it would bring him back to his own time, he could only hope. He took a deep breath and stepped through. His stomach seemed to turn inside out as he fell through the portal, and he lost his balance, falling face down in the grass. He looked up, dizzy, and saw the moon above his head. It looked the same as last night, but it was hard to... Far away, he could hear a bass rhythm beating. For a moment he thought it was the village drums, but then he could hear a woman's voice singing over the beat. He sighed. The party, the DJ. He was back. Quickly he began walking back towards the parking lot. He had to make sure no one else came here, especially until he had found the missing warrior. <laughs>